We're not. Welcome, man. Excited Thanks to be here. Me. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, I'm excited to talk. It's been, man, it's been a long time since we talked, and I know you've got a hell of a lot going on. I mean, 2020 happened since the last time we had any discussions. <laughs> so for everybody, a lot's been going on. Exactly. Yeah. And I've switched yeah. countries. I'm right now in Kiev, Ukraine. And the last time we were catching up, I was in Istanbul, Turkey, living there. Which is a, sounds about right. <laughs> um, so th there's so much I wanted to get into. Uh, some of the topics was, uh, and I hate to like, um, well, there goes my cell phone. Let's go ahead and put that on silent. Um, I hate to do this to you, but I, and, and look, if you don't want to tell the story, you don't have to tell the story, but there it's the, the Richard Branson story. I know that I've already heard it before and many people have, but I think that like, I, I think that we would be doing the Beanie and Blazer community a disservice and everybody listening if we didn't at least touch, hit that story and then we can go on with the rest of the conversation. All right. Because it's just so good. And, it, it's, and it's, like, it's like if you want to figure out who this person is, who or not is, this is the story. Start with it and then we can trail from there. No, yeah, absolutely. And is that cool? Uh, he, he, here's what's up. At probably 19 or 20 years old, I end up on Necker Island kite surfing with one of my biggest role models, the biggest role model that I had uh, on his private island. And that was, that was something I couldn't even dream about. So that's, that's kind of the highlight. And there's obviously the, the story of getting there. And I guess it all started when I was just kind of meditating with a friend of mine. We went from Los Angeles to meet the sunrise. I want to write down the things we wanted to out of life, the bucket list, right? The most epic things. And, and according to the conventional personal development advice, no limits, think 10x, anything can go. And I thought, okay, what do I want to do? And I was reading a book by Richard Branson. It was called Losing My Virginity, which is his autobiography. Got so inspired. I'm this kid, 19 years old, uh, living in Los Angeles, uh, going to school. Actually, I wasn't even going to school. That, that is a crazy thing. So it was 2014 uh, in Russia. Uh, it's a little bit of a tangent, but you know, in Russia, there was this Crimea crisis. The currency collapsed big time. So I decided to fly out to Los Angeles and not be enrolled in school and just live on campus. Uh, I'm going to show if you're familiar with that part of the story. So I just I just came there and uh, I had all this time I was doing what college kids do, like socialize, figure out what you want to do. I got involved with some startups and I had all of this time on my hands to figure out kind of like what's next. Uh, so I was I was that guy who would knock on my friend's door and say, "Oh, let's go, uh, let's go, wake up at 5 a.m. and let's you know, let's go write down our bucket list, uh, something like that." So that was uh, that was where where we met the sunrise, wrote down the craziest things, and one of the first five things I wrote down was kite surf on Necker Island with Richard Branson. Like I didn't even think that was that was possible. I was like, whatever. <laughs> So, so yeah, that's that. That's how it ended up on my on my kind of uh, list of ambitions and, and goals. And then in about a year later, I, so from there I went to the Silicon Valley 
to learn about entrepreneurship. And then there I went through a specific program um, with this crazy billionaire guy. His name is Tim Draper. And uh, we had some crazy uh, commitments like of entrepreneurs. Like I will fail and fail again until I succeed. You know, uh, some rah-rah type of things, some really positive, uh, you know, really empowering deeper ones. And, and yeah, and from there I learned, so we were doing, uh, we were doing a uh, TV class, uh, meaning that we were on ABC Family, and I wasn't a part of the main cast, where around 20 people and 10 of the people were the cast that was going to be shown on TV. Some of us would be shown, uh, would be given a little bit of airtime, but I wasn't, I wasn't one of those guys. The cool thing is because I was a part of that cohort, we had the craziest entrepreneurs in the world come to us to 20 kids and tell us about how they build their literally billion dollar companies we had the founders of airbnb instacart we had lyndon rife who started solar city uh, the cousin of elon musk some some crazy folks and eric by the way i, I don't want to turn it into a monologue feel, feel free to interrupt me at any point no please go ahead just <laughs> i want to get this story um and i don't want to uh I don't want to interrupt or leave anything out because it's just, it's amazing. It's, it's part of the reason why I love talking to people like you. And it's part of the reason why I really think that your mindset could bleed through that, that microphone to other people is these types of stories and exactly this type of like success story. Cause it's as small as it is. And it's big as, I mean, it's as big as it is. It's not like you went and built a billion dollar company, but you, you did exactly something that was seemingly impossible at the time and then you celebrated it at the end because you did it so precisely I yeah and I, I, to, to be very honest eric i, I you know uh, the, the the funny the funny thing and I'll, I'll tell the entire story but when we look back at our lives and it's like how i ended up on necker island and everything else and like all of the successes that that i've had so many times I had such shitty moments, but that I no longer remember. Like, I do not remember the challenges as much. You know, I do not remember, like, the, uh, you know, the moments when I didn't think I would make something or if it's going to work out. So, uh, you know, it might sound right now that, um, like, everything is, is going right. And I'll tell you some stories of where, where things went haywire. Uh, but like I said, I was, I just went to to LA and I wanted to figure things out kind of like myself. I didn't have, you know, money. I didn't have uh, anything to subscribe to. I just kind of like wanted to see what the next link le leads me to. And from one place to another was uh, opening this interesting doors. In Silicon Valley in particular, uh, I had access, like one-on-one -on -one access to like billionaire entrepreneurs to the point where because we had these folks like two or three times a day, I was like, fuck, man, we, you know, instead of focusing on my business right now and building, I'm, I'm 19 years old. I do not know anything about business or building startups. I was, I was like, but that was, that was a thing, you know, you, you just, you just want to make something, something happen. And I was like, yeah. man, some other crazy entrepreneur is coming, you know, to tell me more, you know, there was like a little bit too, too much content, too much listening and not, not enough action, uh, which is a little crazy to think about. Uh, right now is like too concentrated but that thing the fact that we were surrounded constantly by billionaires and crazy people that we could talk to just like i'm talking to you uh that 
turned on a belief in me. It's like, oh, I can talk to anybody I want. I can, there, mm. nobody is off limits, right? And then when you're surrounded by other people who think in the same way, nobody off limits. It's like, how, how do you do this, right? So that becomes the question. It's like, what actions do I need to take? So you, that's exactly, so you wrote down this list and from there you kind of followed the breadcrumbs of, I mean, it sounds like curiosity or just interest, whatever you're interested in, whether it was entrepreneurship or what it was. And then you found yourself after following some breadcrumbs for a while in Silicon Valley around a bunch of billionaires, around a bunch of entrepreneurs, learning from them. You know, I call it, it's like uh, some sort of energy osmosis that you get when you hang around people like that. Um, And then... And then from there, you know, it's like a serendipitous type of stuff was happening. You kept following it, right? Is that a good kind of way to put it? I I wouldn't say. I was just like a curious kid. I, I think something that, curiosity. yeah, cu- curiosity is, is so key. And naivete as well. It's like I had no idea what I was doing. In terms of, I was like building some platform marketplace, God knows what. <laughs> and, you know, looking back at it, it was complete. It was not reasonable. It, it was just... Um, it was just following something that at the moment might have made sense, but if I was a wiser person, I would have come up with a billion reasons why not to do it. And I think just uh, that curiosity and you know, being naive a little bit um, is is a phenomenal trait you to have. It's a gift. Yeah, and it's a skill as well. I think this is something yeah. that we can we can train on our minds. So. Yeah. To fast forward a little bit, so I finished that entrepreneurship program. I was I was still in the Silicon Valley, and I was uh, working on a new startup project with somebody more experienced. And at that point, I I thought to myself, Hey, I want. Why do I delay my bucket list? Why don't I live my bucket list lifestyle? Why don't I live it right now? Why don't I cross off some of the things? I went, uh, went through some, uh, through the list. I thought, oh, what, what's top of mind? What am I excited about? I uh, looked at that specific one, a specific, uh, specific item, uh, kite surfing uh, on Necker Island with Richard Branson. It wasn't, it wasn't like a crazy like dream. I was like, okay, how do I do it? And uh, I had read the four-hour work week back then. So I, I had a few virtual assistants from the Philippines or from somewhere in Asia, and I didn't know how to outsource, how to do much, how to lead people. Uh, I just had to give them. That, that was another interesting thing. Like, I knew I had that resource. I, I knew that I didn't want to really invest all my time into just, like, some little, uh, you know, project because I wanted to build something more tangible. So I just said, hey... Uh, create a list of all of the places where Richard Branson is going to be in the next 12 months. So, and your virtual assistant did that for you? Yeah, yeah, and it's like uh, in a few hours, next day, I got the spreadsheet you know, on Google Sheets of all of the places with dates, um, with links of where Richard Branson was going to be. So then what I did is I went through, I went through all of the events, I'm just like, okay, this event, that event, email, blah, 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 and then one of the events was a private event and it was going to be held on Necker Island and it was going to be an event for entrepreneurs who kite surf and there's like I love kite surfing this is like a big passion of mine obviously this is like this is amazing so it's this it was called the extreme tech challenge so you have 
you have on one side professional kite surfers, literally world-renowned kite surfers, world stars. And then on the other side, you have this tech entrepreneurs and kind of the overlap is extreme tech challenge. So I thought that was cool. And as I'm reading through it, I was like, okay, uh, in order to apply, you need to have like thousands of companies and you know, only, only three end up right there. Uh, but then I started going kind of through through that page and I see who the judges are and the guy who invited me to his acceleration program Tim Draper uh, He he was one of the judges. There were like three or four judges out there and Tim Draper is there and it's like damn uh, That's cool. So what I did and this is where Navy Tech comes to play. I emailed Tim Draper and I said hey, man I know you're going to be judging at this event. And then I thought, okay, well, like, how can I provide value? How can I be interesting? I said, I want to represent your acceleration program, like on the island, because I went through the program and there are not that many people who, you know, uh, who, who have done it. So I have certain like unique angle as, as for why, uh, why I make an interesting case. So I just wanted to be kind of an ambassador for his program. Um, I've also built some relationships with uh, with Tim before. I was kind of like sitting next to him as entrepreneurs were pitching to him and I was asking how he makes his decisions about whom to invest into, whom not to. So that was just a random one-off email for a, for a really cool event. And Tim responds, he copies the the organizer, like the main organizer, and he says, not, I'm not sure if I can make it myself to the island, but you should totally go. And then here's the person, you're like, uh, Renat should go instead of me or something like that. I was like, whoa, that's insane. And awesome. yeah, so that was, that was kind of like my, um, my little glimpse of hope, but then things cost money, obviously. And going to Necker Island, it was in, uh, in the British Virgin Islands. So, uh, it's it's still not cheap. Uh, you can get invited, but then you know you still need to buy the ticket and everything else. So uh, I started kind of like fundraising and figuring out how you know how I could, who else I could provide value so that I can afford the ticket and I can go. So I thought, okay, how about I pitch other people's startups to Richard Branson? So I started hitting my phone. I started calling everybody I know and and thinking about like I would represent their business, you know, to Richard Branson. I can help them fundraise. Again, I'm like 19, 20 years old. I do not know shit about fundraising. I've never done it in my life. I was just thinking about like a good, interesting angle for why people would want to potentially give me money. <laughs> So was do you think, you know, reaching out to someone like Tim Draper is is a pretty big deal for most people. You know, he, I mean, you had a relationship with him already, but to have that big ask in there, it does take a, a lot of courage or maybe it's naivety, <laughs> maybe a balance of two, right? So I, w I wouldn't sell short any, any courage that had to do with it because I don't know many people that would have just threw out a text and said, hey, I, I want to participate in Necker Island. Here's his ideas and 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 having that kind of response. It did take some courage there. Yeah, I think so. And I, I also I also think that we try to we probably make a much, much bigger deal out of things than it is. It's like it's one email. You know, I'm not sure. Maybe it took me an hour to write it, you know, and then he might have said no. You know, I might have embarrassed myself, whatever it is. Um, number one thing I, th I thought about and I keep thinking about it. How can I have value? How, how can I not have an ask? How can I have like 
this email to be the best thing that could happen to the person, right? And and that's a big deal. Like um, successful people, they they want uh, they, they want things they cannot get, and those things that they cannot get, they come from from smart, motivated people. They want things that they cannot buy. They they want. Yeah, they they have their own problems. It's it's the same thing with when people uh, are struggling to get a job, they think about oh, um, it's so hard to get a job. But then if they flipped it and they thought from the employer's perspective, it's so much harder to find a good employee. You gotta be that employee. You gotta you gotta add value, right? And, and yeah. if you if if you flip it and, and see how how it looks to the other person. The dynamic is is so much easier, and that's I think a mindset shift that changes everything. And you did it in a creative way. Like it, it, it sounds like you probably put some good amount of thought into how can I sit, how can I be valuable, and it was creative. It was good. It's exactly what you needed, obviously. Yeah, precisely. And uh, and I think this is this is something that I I, uh, I kept developing in my life. I always think about this this uh, this angles of okay what can be interesting to the person i'm talking to what do they care about mm -hmm. why they're talking to me what what is their motivation it's a sales skill but it's also a communication skill it's a human skill thinking about not what can i say uh what can i get but you know what what people want to get out of the interaction so mm. uh, so i got uh, I, I got the invitation um i, I needed to pay some you know, not a crazy amount of money, but for me, uh, if you remember, I can I can pay for college. You know, if things were not working out all that all that well. Uh, we're trying to fundraise for the, for this for the startup I was working on, and I ended up I ended up getting getting the the sponsorship from from the person I was starting the the company with. We thought, okay, it's a cool investment. We're going to go there and. Uh, and going to raise raise money to make up for this, and uh, he got the invitation. As a, as a result, I hustled him an invite. So it was not just me who is going there. I also got the the guy to go to go with me, and because he was he was working on the same business, so there was a really good angle. And uh, but there I am. I am in the in the airport. Uh, probably I probably spend spend like. 20 hours trying to fly out there it was, it was probably the cheapest tickets we, we could find it was from san francisco to like new york city to miami from miami you go to um you go to puerto rico and then uh we we slept there for because you buy the cheapest tickets you have like the biggest lags between flights so we had like i know seven hours in the airport super uncomfortable <laughs> you know sleeping in the airport uh, forget about like coronavirus where when the airports are super open yeah. um and, and next thing our flights got delayed multiple times and then um the, the most hilarious thing so the time comes we have to go through the gate and we go through the gate we we go all the way down and then we are uh, we're literally on like uh, on the asphalt outside of the airport in puerto rico and we have our suitcases you know you usually have to check those in and everything and we i think we had our like suitcase with us a uh, suitcases with us they ask us how much we weigh and it's like getting weirded out slowly it's like why why do you care about it so it turns out we're like five or six people in 
yeah, five or six people walking with our with our luggage to a tiniest, tiniest plane where you have a little compartment uh, that looks like a car trunk, probably like around the same size, maybe a little bit bigger, and people are trying to like stuff their bags into it. Again, like five or six people. And I was like, it was a propeller plane. I'm looking at it. I was like, all right, <laughs> that's going to be interesting. So I, I climb in. There, there are no rows. You, you just, you just have the doors. You kind of like go, go through in the back. I think the the airplane had eight sit, seats total, and the pilot was sitting right in front of me. It's like if there was a driver's seat and I was in the back seat. That's where the, the the pilot was. The the only thing is it doesn't have the the head thingy that that holds your head. So it was like he was literally I was breathing on his neck as he was going to you know, pilot us through you know uh, through the clouds and everywhere else. Like if I wanted to take over the plane, that would be so easy. <laughs> so so yeah, that was that was just the introduction. The coolest thing is that because I had to take so many flights, take so many steps. It felt surreal. It felt like okay, I'm I'm going to do something, uh, something very unique. I'm going to change, uh, change my life in in one in one way or another. So from there we um, we stopped on one island, hopped to another island. Gorgeous, beautiful, you know, turquoise weather uh, or what is it called? Uh, uh, the the sea, the Caribbean. So got there. And another cool, uh, cool thing. They sent us an email, and they said if you are holders of this like VIP diamond platinum, uh, you know, black edition ticket, then show up at this time at this place. And if you are a part of, if you have a regular ticket, then you should show up at this time and at this place. And it's like, fuck it, you know. I, I just, I literally showed up at the other place. Uh, you already made friends with some of the people, you know, on the island, uh, on on the other island before we went to Necker. So, and and yeah, I was just giving everybody high five, making conversations, crazy entrepreneurs doing really cool stuff. I'm again this 19, 20 year old kid who doesn't know anything. Um, I didn't think that. Uh, I was a little bit more cocky <laughs> at the time. But that was a cool thing because, like, I felt like I belonged. I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know what you're gonna tell me, uh, what I'm going to, what I can learn. So I showed up. Um, the the person who Team Draper introduced me to uh, was waiting there, meeting us. There were, were like maybe eight people on the boat, or like ten. That's the like platinum VIP diamond, <laughs> whatever. Like the, the, the cool people boat. Took a boat from. From the from one island at the from one to yeah yeah from one island to Necker Island, okay. So, um, so yeah, and then the the person says, "Oh, Renat, super cool to meet you." You know, and just like, and I'm like literally uh, hitchhiking this, uh, you know, this boat. I shouldn't be there. Uh, so I thought I thought it kind of worked. Uh, I thought it was like, oh, cool. Not only did I get where I should not have been, I also got for the second time to the place I shouldn't have been. It's like double win, right? And then, so went up, uh, went up to the great house. That's uh, that's the big house at the uh, at the very top of Necker Island. You know, 
uh, I climb to the the highest point of Necker Island. It's like this cannot be happening. There's like a jacuzzi uh, on on the on the top with the flag, and you can see the entire island. It's like how how is how is this possible? Thinking to myself, yeah, I made it. I, you know, being at a place, and right now I'm realizing, like, being at a place and and actually, like, belonging there, those are those are two different things. Uh, so I was just there. I, I didn't really do anything that would qualify me as an entrepreneur or as anybody, really, to... Uh, to, to earn it, um, and right now this is this is something that I'm reflecting on, I guess years later. Uh, but so what happened there? I was like super super happy, but I'm also a little nervous because I shouldn't have been there, and then we're just kind of like settling in. And then the person that organizer that greeted me, she comes back to me. She asked me aside. I was like, all right, I'm probably going to get kicked out, and it's going to suck. And good thing she asked me. She asked me. To, to, to step away with her for a second, otherwise it would be super embarrassing. Anyway, so she says, hey, Renat, you know what? So she was super cool and nice about it. She's like, you know what, Renat? I just realized you do not have that, you know, that VIP ticket. Um, you know what? We can call you a boat. You can come back and, and I'll just see you later. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm not getting kicked out. I'm getting kicked out, but I'm not getting kicked out of the of the whole thing. And because because I know how like how the setup is, what's important to people, and they're kite surfers. That that person is a kite surfer. And I said, hey, how about this? I brought my kite with me. How about I go to the beach? I go kite surf for like three four hours, and I just come back here and just you know take it off with the rest of you. And she's like, you know what? Do it. So I get my kite. I walk to the beach, and then there I see Susie Mai, who is like this this crazy professional kite surfer woman who started the uh, the Mai Tai organization. That's that's how we're there on the island. So she's one of the founders of the event. And then I see Richard Branson uh, right there as well. And they're talking. They're they're filming something. I was like, all right, that, that's cool. That you know, that's that's awesome. And. And yeah, uh, they were talking, I'm blowing up my kite, doing my thing, and then Richard Branson with his kite blowed up uh, comes toward me and and he he's like, hey there, or whatever, you know. I give him a hug uh, and, then, uh, and then we just exchange a couple words and, you know, he takes off kite surfing on his island, obviously, and I'm there with my kite as well, and I'm kite surfing right next to him. And I was like, wow. This was exactly it. This was this was what I wanted to do. And if I did not do this uh, this crazy second stunt where I tried to like um, hitch a ride where I didn't belong, I wouldn't be able to go to the beach and have that have that opportunity. I love that story. <laughs> it's so good. It's such a good story. Uh, how long was it before you actually wrote the? Uh... You actually wrote it down on paper before it actually transpired. That was like what was that? That was like a year, a year or so. Yeah, I think it was like a year, maybe fourteen months since I wrote it down. That's when it happened. Yeah, so you wrote down your bucket list. You wrote it on your bucket list, and then a year later, it actually happened. I was wondering, like. You had a bunch of other stuff on there too. Did you constantly revisit and be like, "Oh, how do I get to Necker Island and hang out with Richard Branson?" 
was that like a constant thing you're revisiting or did you just notice that you somehow randomly were getting closer to this thing that's a great question you know earlier when i was a little bit hungrier to experience things uh, i wanted to i wanted to do something epic you know i needed to prove myself i needed to uh, kind of see what i'm worth to myself and I was interested in going down my bucket list, trying out different things. And then, then I, I did revisit my bucket list every so often. And after I've hit a bunch of crazy things on my bucket list, I was like, those are mainly expenses in terms of time and money. Like I can do pretty much 95%, 90% of those things right now. And like one of one of the things I have there is uh, see Earth from space. That one would be a little bit more challenging, right? But even even right now with commercials, uh, with with commercial uh, with uh, what is it called commercial space tourism, you, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will be able to do it, I guess. Uh, so th- that's that's the the less likely thing I can do. I, I don't have enough money <laughs> to be able to afford it. But at- what's a ticket? It's like twenty. 20- 250 grand or something like that so right now right now it's not it's not a thing russians used to so there's like there was a russian company that that would launch astronauts to space using soyuz rockets and was from 10 to 25 million dollars uh per ticket um and you know some people like usually um usually some crazy you know saudi um princes or would go or um or something it wasn't it wasn't very public and I think they stopped doing it. I'm not exactly sure why, why that was the case. And right now, Elon Musk wants to bring people not only to space, but he wants to get people to go around the moon. And then there is this project uh, called the Dear Moon Project, where he takes, I think, 10 artists to go on the ride with this crazy billionaire that sponsored the trip he, he has this clothing brand in in tokyo japan and so that guy are you familiar with the dear moon project no yeah that's, that's pretty insane so, so yeah the guy's like all right let's you know let's do i'm not sure how they made the deal so he he probably invent uh, invested some crazy amount of money into the trip probably like a billion dollars or something just to go once and then he pretty much bought off the you know the entire plane in this case of rocket ship and and yeah and he said he said that he uh, he wants to bring artists from different categories there's going to be uh, one dancer one musician one um, um, one photographer uh, one a movie producer and then he wants to see you know there's this moment when you go to space and when you see earth from space you have this uh, quote quote uh, kind of like global perspective that you get yep. so he wants to get people artists in particular those those are the people who experience and through their experiences we get to relive more profound emotions right and that's who artists are and he wants to get like the most uh, people who are the most in touch with their artistic and emotional selves to be able to share what they experience uh with with the rest of us which is which is you know i was thinking i was thinking for a while you know why wouldn't you why would you invest in art at the first place and why would you think about art and that sounded like a challenging 
uh, decisions like okay let's instead of you know sending scientists to do a bunch of experiments let's send a bunch of artists and they will like paint something after uh, what's your what's your take yeah I don't know it's an interesting project I just googled it I was trying to it's six days in space um, Yasaku Miyazawa was the and Damien Chazelle is the this guy must be the billionaire the Yasaku Oh yeah, net worth one point nine billion. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's cool, dude. I so the, I was introduced to a video called the the Global Brain by he, Peter Russell. He made it in like the seventies, I think it was. You can you can you could look it up on YouTube. Uh -huh. It's really cool. It's called the Global Brain. It's like thirty five or forty five minutes long, and uh, I was introduced to it during like this meditation retreat. Mm -hmm. So like on day five when you were meditating on like this idea of oneness and all that kind of stuff they had you sit down and watch this movie and the dude that introduced it to me seen it probably 400 times and cries every time i didn't have that kind of emotional reaction but like it was still like just being thinking through that and watching that video i've sent that video to a few people now um but i, I would recommend definitely checking that out because it's a similar thing i'd love to I know that um uh what's his name uh, will smith Hosted a documentary on, I think it was like Netflix or something. The fuck was it called? Um, but they interviewed a ton of astronauts mm -hmm. who went into outer space, and they talked about each little element of the Earth, wind, fire, whatever it was. They talked about it was through like this giant series. But I found that to be a super powerful. For some reason I wasn't really into Will Smith though. He kind of <laughs> threw me off. But I like had to ignore that part. I was like, God damn it, just shut up, Will Smith. <laughs> but heck, sick, sick documentary. And I ever since I. I have the same thing on my bucket list. Oh, really? Yeah, going into outer space and seeing the Earth. Yep. I don't. It's always been there. It's always been an interest of mine. I've never been like obsessed with space per se, mm -hmm. but there's just something about seeing the Earth from from space is just like, if I could do it, I'm gonna do it. Hell yeah. Some way, right? And the other thing is like Virgin Galactic. I, I thought I saw um, Richard Branson. Wasn't he taking pre-orders for Virgin Galactic trip into? Space. Oh yeah, and they also released their uh, their third iteration of the uh, spaceship. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they they do more of like um, tourism angle where you go on this uh, yeah on this airplane. It, it gets launched from another uh, yeah. It, it's it's a rocket ship that gets launched from a plane. Uh, it gets dropped, and then the, the rocket engines they turn on at some uh, high altitude maybe like 15 kilometers or whatever so that saves a, a lot of like mass that you would need to carry with you uh, for fuel or whatever so you can be a lot more cost effective and from there they just take off they go to uh, some low altitude so the moon something that we cannot do today if we wanted to uh, because it's it requires crazy rockets and um, and going to uh, just around Earth, I'm I'm not sure, I'm not sure how how high it is that, that you would go on uh, Virgin Galactic ship, but it's crazy, it's insane. Like if you if you can see the curvature of the Earth, and if you can be like high enough where it's dark to see the cosmos, which that's which which is the case in Experience Zero Gravity, that's amazing. Uh, and and if you can do it for a quarter million dollars, which is achievable, right? For for so so many people, and then why not? And it'll never it'll inevitably get cheaper. Uh, there's 
investment firms out there, like Arc, the company that has a bunch of their investments in uh, Tesla and everything. Mm-hmm. They just released an ETF for space travel. So for companies that are building like space uh, startups mm-hmm. anywhere in space, building rockets, building parts for rockets, 3D printing rocket parts and all that kinds of stuff. Um, and it's starting. It's starting. It's going to happen fast, too, especially with everyone talking about aliens. <laughs> oh, yeah. Too many people are talking about aliens. Dude, everyone's talking about aliens these days. And I'm like, ah. Dude, back Joe in, Rogan, when man. first started. And yeah, Rogan started. Of course, he's got 300 million people listening to him, and he's sitting there talking about aliens all the time. And I said it. I said it to Candace, my wife, back in, uh, it was like March or right after Corona hit. I was like, ah. dude, all this weird stuff's happening. Government, Donald Trump. Everything is just different and weird, and this shit happens in threes or fours or whatever it is. I was like, I guarantee you, by the end of the year, we're going to be talking about fucking aliens. And sure enough... For real, you, you called that. <laughs> yeah, I called it, yeah. Sure enough, Rogan starts bringing people on. I was just listening to a Rogan uh, the other day with um, some billionaire dude that he built his money in hotels. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like... Yeah, I, I I just created a vehicle for me to explore what I'm actually passionate about. You know, space <laughs> exactly. Deep space. Yeah, yeah. Space yeah. and aliens. He builds this yeah. uh, this space habitats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which he literally he like built a hotel empire just so he can fund his like dream of going into space and exploring space. I'm, uh, I heard stories that Bezos did the same thing when he was in school. Oh, really? His mission, yeah, his mission wasn't exa- wasn't like to build a book sale company and online retail. It was space. Interesting. That's yeah, that's so phenomenal. In the back of mind, I I don't know if many people. Where did I hear that? Maybe like Peter Diamandis or one of those guys that are in that world. Um, abundant. He does that like Abundance three hundred and sixty thing. But anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where uh, yeah, Bezos was always obsessed with space and. Uh, I, I will try to find it and put it in show notes because I'm not 100% sure that this is like very accurate. I just know that I heard it on, on podcast or something. Yeah, he was obsessed with space. Um, and in the back of his mind, it's not like he sat there and told anybody. But part of his motivation for doing Amazon is because he really had this passion for space, but he knew it needed so much capital. You know, Elon Musk was very similar, right? He was doing PayPal and all that. He just had, he wanted to go to fucking Mars, but he needed capital to do it. So, he took these little mini steps of entrepreneurship in order to, to develop more clarity and realisticness on mm-hmm. these giant, crazy, massively transformative things. And with that being said, I'm not exactly sure if those people are like, oh, I'm going to be a billionaire. I'm going to like build this empire, and then then I'm going to start working on rocket ships. Um, I, I think a lot of the, the passions, they're, they're there within us. We know about them. And then once we have the resources and capabilities, once we've seen what's possible, then, okay, yeah, of course I'll you know invest my energy into space. I, I bet you if you were to take 100 random people um, just on the street, I would guarantee you 10 of them would be starting a space company once, once they, like if they were to be billionaires, right? There are not that many things that, that you can do at this, at, at that scale, I feel like, no? Yeah, you're probably right. And it was probably, I would love to ask one of them this, but it was probably like one of those things where it was like this small little itch in their mind that they thought maybe, oh, not stupid, but probably never going to get yeah, it. Yeah. But in the meantime, I'm going to do all this stuff. And then all of a sudden they woke up one day and were like, holy shit. I'm capable of this other stuff. Let's start exploring it. So, yeah, you're probably right. It probably wasn't like as cookie cutter 
like planned out. Like, here's my milestones yeah. to put a ship on Mars when he's building video games and selling them for five hundred dollars in Africa, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Like Elon Musk. Exactly. You know, like, Steve yeah. Jobs has has this really interesting uh, quote. Uh, he said, "Like, you cannot connect the dots looking forwards. You can only connect them looking back." And I always love that one. Yeah, that that's a that's just an amazing uh, kind of interpretation of. I, I think life and the mindset around things. I want to look back to, uh, to to the story or uh, to, to the to the thought around artists, right? Like one, why ten artists? And I had this relationship with art. I was like, it's cool, but why don't we invest our resources, our time into something more productive, into something interesting, into science, into invention? And I always had this. Um, Especially when I was younger, that this uh, this unsettlement around art, like why do we spend so much time into um, in entertainment? You know, we uh, create movies and we do all of those things. And then I realized, um, I realized, okay, so we are humans. We're emotional creatures. We're driven by emotions. The reason the reason we take any action has an emotional connotation to it. So if this guy takes 10 artists to space and if they're going to inspire millions of people to invest their resources and their money into something space related that might contribute to starting the second i honestly call right now like this generation kind of like the the second uh the second space race type of era uh, before it was who goes to space first gets the military dominance and then the communism or the capitalism and you know it was kind of like a fear driven um approach to to space when people were watching you know the apollo landing and they were watching like rockets going up and then there was this gap of like 50 years when nothing happened at all nobody gave a shit no activities uh in in space that that people cared about and then recently probably in the last 10 years or so space started picking up again and then if we bring the artists that inspire there are more movies right now talking about space that diverts attention of people more people are going to go into engineering into science and uh, that also changes what we can do like with our money and there are obviously some great financial benefits such as like uh, internet from space and other things that that you can invest into so but that attention has a tangible benefit for humans so that's why we should inspire and then it made sense it's like maybe that is the the best type of humans you can take to space yeah that's interesting that does make a lot of sense because you know because scientists aren't the ones influencing society and if you if you want to do something that big then you need enough people to believe it but how do you influence enough people to believe it you know science can do one thing like they can prove a bunch of stuff that this can be done but you need to like see it and feel influenced by it. Why not? Yeah, of course, like artists will be the next step to have them create things that inspire in order for enough people can believe. That's interesting thought. That makes sense. <laughs> As, I mean, th there's some smart fucking people on this planet and we're all pretty, pretty lucky to be in this time. I think it's, I think 2020 sucked, but I think it's sending us on a path of doing some, we're just gonna see some really cool stuff over the next decade. Absolutely, yeah. I'm excited. Um, I think this is this is the the pill that we didn't want to swallow, but we did. Uh, mm -hmm. Companies 
finally started doing things with technology, like the old school dinosaurs, they started using video conferencing tools to talk to each other, right? Uh, they, they started like planning things online, you know, getting rid of inefficiencies. Uh, then the weaker businesses died. Unfortunately, a lot of like a lot of good businesses died that, you know, that didn't have a choice. That, uh, but I think at the end of the day, I believe in humans. I believe that, uh, isn't it insane? Like what we humans can do and say, you know, give us a challenge, a global challenge. I, I was also actually reflecting that uh, this was the first time in the history of humans, the coronavirus, when every single like country was on the same way of wavelength, where there was one thing, one topic that, that touched every single country, 196 countries uh, in the world. Or 206, something along those lines, they're like UN-recognized, UN-not-recognized countries. But during the world wars, people knew that those were happening, but they were not necessarily part of them. With the coronavirus, that was like, before the internet, nobody knew about shit, right? And then they just lived their, their, own, their own lives or whatever. Right now, this was the only event where everybody, you know, had had like a common enemy common problem and uh, i i thought it was kind of like an interesting thought to reflect on yeah yeah i thought about that one i just hope that everybody can celebrate together too true right because that's going to be the thing that you know uh, you know potentially could unite or because there's still a lot of conflict around it the coronavirus and everything. I was at least in the states, like half half the states. I was just looking up today, like how many of the states had mask mandates and how, how many didn't. And it was uh, I can't remember the exact number, but it was uh, if you look at the map, it's like all the middle states of the U.S. all don't have them, mm -hmm. and all the outside states do, right? So it's like this, you know, we're kind of split and more and more split. But that's just one thing. And then you can get into, and I don't want to get into that. <laughs> stuff right now all the po political stuff that happened uh after the coronavirus that is going on in in, in, the, in the states i guess probably everywhere. yeah probably probably everywhere in, in, in the world as well I, I'm, I'm just super uh, super optimistic that um yeah. i was thinking that you cannot stop the progress it's going to happen no matter what because if majority of people are going to be political they're going to you know they're going to cry about things they're going to be assholes about other things there will be like one person 10 people 100 people but there will always be people who are going to take action and who are not going to let shit slip through the cracks there will always be the guy like elon musk who is who's going to who's going to fix things who's going to make the world work right who's uh, like the progress is unstoppable like you cannot do anything about it. You don't have to work. You can convince other people not to work. But this is this is it. You know, it's happening. And I thought that was a cool thought. It's like this is a machine. We're growing as humans. We're becoming better. We're developing, and and that's it. Like the the better future is there. It's like it's. Do you want to be a part of it? Do you want to create it, or do you want to be standing in the sidelines? Right. Do you want to believe in the fundamental idea that everything is improving or the fundamental idea that everything is falling apart? Exactly. But over a long enough time span. Yeah. But the truth is like everything is improving. Like if you look at the facts, a hundred percent, it is Bill Gates. I don't know how I feel about Bill Gates in general. Cause I read there's like all these crazy stories, about <laughs> it. but he does recommend some badass books. And one of them is called factfulness. Um, 
and it's just these facts that when you read it, you're just like, holy shit. Like it changes the way you think about the world and the way you think about war and disease and how the human species has been moving in a positive direction over the last, uh, I don't, whatever you can say since world war two, even before that, you know, you can, you can make the argument that a lot of positive global change happened after world wars. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a fundamental belief and there's a lot of really cool people out there. I, you know, I bring up Peter Diamandis again, who teach that fundamental mindset. You know, of, of optimism that the world is getting better. Exponential technologies are are creating, are eliminating like friction in our lives in such a way that like f- the pain and struggles are being replaced by more important pain and struggles, or more, I guess, uh, what's a, what's a good word to put? I don't want to say more important because, um, it more global, maybe. I don't know. I, I I'm a big fan of Peter Diamandis's work. And I have a, actually a, a great story. It's it's a, actually a pretty pretty good transition. We're we're thinking about like what type of like reality do we want to see? Um, do we have do we have a little bit of time for for another story about me running a marathon, uh, the tattoo I got, and some realizations and learnings I got from that? Yep, yep. I'm looking forward to this one. Let's hear. All it. right. Uh, so it was after we did uh, our podcast with Candice that was maybe seven of yeah five five six months ago uh, or so I I signed up for a marathon that was three weeks before it was going to start and it was in Istanbul and I just wanted to do something something tough I was before in in Argentina I was kind of quarantined for maybe five months. I couldn't leave the country. Everything was closed. I didn't speak the language. I didn't have many friends. And it kind of sucked, you know? And I, I, was, I was in isolation for way too long. So I switched gears a little bit. I went to, I went to Istanbul. I completely like uh, changed things around, invited a bunch of friends to, uh, to, uh, to go visit, come visit me. I got a bigger apartment in the city center and I got a guest room where my friends would come visit from different places. You know, one guy came from Russia, the United States, UK. So that was really dope. And anyway, so I wanted to, I wanted to do a challenge. I wanted to kind of show myself, Hey man, you still have something in you. You have, you have this, this force, this energy that, that will make you, um, make you go through you know through struggle and because you're the type of person who doesn't shy away from from challenges I was doing this this really really cool exercise with a buddy of mine uh, he we, we together looked at the most kind of um, character shaping moments in my life and and then we identified one one word that I wish I had more of during the most challenging moments in my life. That's an interesting exercise. Yes. So, so whenever, whenever you, I accumulated certain limiting beliefs or whenever something went wrong and that convinced me one way or another, um, he, he got me back to those moments. And then I kind of like got into this state as if I was there and he asked me like, what, what do you wish you had then? And what do you wish you would have right now? if nothing was an obstacle. And then one word came to mind. Uh, it was the word courage. And 
that's resonated with me so much. And uh, dif- the difference between courage and fear, um, or courage and bravery. Do you know the difference? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so the brave person is the one who doesn't experience fear, and the courageous person is the one who experiences fear but acts regardless. And okay. so, uh, resonates so much. I tattooed it on one hand. And um, because I was not at a good place after after being isolated in Argentina for five months, I, I wanted to do something challenging. And I, I wanted to do a marathon. Um, wanted to do a marathon, and the marathon ended up being uh, being the, the, this uh, this unique, interesting animal. Again, it was like two and a half weeks or three weeks before you know um, I, I sent up to it before it was due so I have some, some experience running before so I show up I try to show up one hour late uh, miss my uh, miss my um, like the location and end up changing the location I come in last minute five minutes before you know the uh, before the starting line I run to the marathon I didn't know where it would start I run to the marathon super stressed out didn't stretch didn't do anything so go there and it's like yeah okay fuck it it's going to be okay I'm, I'm going to I'm going to uh, do alright I think I got enough preparation I ran almost every day uh, to pre- prepare for it so I'm feeling really good and then maybe four um, four kilometers in I feel like shit I feel like shit. Do you run? No, <laughs> no, I don't. I, uh, I've up until probably this year, I pretty much was like, I don't see that. I would never do a marathon. Like Brandon, our Beanie Blazer CEO, was, um, you know, training for one at one point, and I was just like, I just don't. I, I will do one at some point, but no, I don't really run. I'm, I more or less. For some reason, I have it in my mind that I need multiple motives to do something. And for some reason, running just doesn't do it for me. Like, I will go on an awesome hike. Like, I was in Sedona a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, and I went on this hike with my dog. I had no idea that it was going to be – we took, like, a small hike the day before. I ended up getting really sick out there, and I was like, I'm in Sedona. I'm going to do some hiking. So I hit um, – I, I put up my phone and I drew out this map of this, these trails. I was like, okay, about six miles. Me and my dog can handle six miles. Um, and uh, turns out I'm horrible at reading a map. And it was a ton of different elevation uh-huh. changes. And it was more like 10 miles. Which, you know, normally 10 miles doesn't seem like a lot. But Unless, yeah, when, yeah. If that elevation change, if you're not paying attention to that elevation change, it becomes a lot. Not only that, but you have to prep for it, right? You have to bring enough water. You got to bring some food. And I had me and my German Shepherd. I have a 110-pound German Shepherd. And uh, anyway, 110 we, we pound? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, that, a that's a yeah. massive dog. <laughs> yeah, he's a big boy. Um, so anyway, yeah, we, we hit the hike and... I find like it, it like dawned on me like this is taking longer. I, I should be farther. Um, these it was challenging, super challenging. We were like maybe five miles in, and then it started getting exponentially more challenging. There were some parts where I had to turn around and go back and find other ways to get around this like mountain peak because just the dog couldn't handle it. Like we were on these edges, like jumping from rock to rock. He's jumping around oh, like, online. And uh, so I, that, I finally got to a part where I was just like, dude, I, 
I'm sorry, like my dog's name's Drogo. I'm like, Drogo, we have to turn around, man. You can't handle this. Like I see like a couple of there's a couple like up a little bit further uh-huh. and they're like they're like they got their feet like sideways mm-hmm. just so they can get across this ravine. I'm like, I'm not subjecting my dog to this kind of yeah. this uh this kind of risk. I mean, that's a stupid Humans also have more endurance than than most animals, than right? Like humans can walk like two hundred yeah. kilometers nonstop. Like you can technically outrun quote unquote outrun any any animal in terms of distance you just like you just keep walking after after an animal like almost any animal in the world you can you you, you can beat and that was the thing that actually got us our survival right was our ability to walk and run and endure long 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 periods of doing that we can chase down a gazelle because they get tired before we do right isn't that like the yeah yeah I think I think that's that's exactly it yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't chasing down a gazelle, but we were certainly trying to make our way. Just being cautious of your dog. <laughs> you know? Just being cautious of him. And uh, so anyway, so we go, we end up getting about halfway through and we climbed this, we climbed up to this peak and it was hard. I had him jumping up and all these things. We finally get to the top and we had to stop and look down. And we, I took like 15 minutes uh, just to take a minute and look out over like over the, the setting and everything. It was fucking beautiful. There was nobody around. I was, we were the only idiots out there because <laughs> how, <laughs> how tough it was. So then I was like, all right, it's time, time to go back. Let's just hope because it was a different route back than it was there. Uh-huh. So I was like, let's just hope that this is easier. Um, meanwhile, my dog's picking up sticks still at this point. So I'm like, okay, at least he's in a good place. He's still trying to play. Um, anyway, so we get a little bit further, uh, uh, throughout the ending journey, I end up pulling a bunch of cactus needles out of his leg. Him and I are both like ble- bleeding out of several parts of our body. Um, we run out of water. I, I started rationing our water for him and just started making sure he kept, stayed hydrated. So I was like getting more and more dehydrated as we were going. We ran out of water. I had like a mile and a half to go or something, two miles to go. And we completely ran out of water. I made it home. It was tough. I slept for a long time. Um, How long is a long time for you? Uh, probably like 10 hours. All right. Like no, that. no, it's just like yeah. there are some people who are like, oh, I, speak, I, I sleep four hours and then I slept six. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, no. yeah, yeah. Dude, I, I, I try and prioritize. Like, I have an aura ring. I try to prioritize my sleep. Yeah, it's the key. Um, as part of just recovery protocol, yeah. Um, but anyway, dude, the poor dog couldn't walk for two days. No way. Sad. I feel like such an asshole. Yeah, he had like... Have you ever gone to the gym and done like a ton, way too much leg workouts, yeah, squats, yeah. and that sort of thing? You start feeling like flu symptoms. I've heard people like in the you know the meatball world call them, like call it the uh, the the leg flu. The leg um, flu. Yeah. So he certainly had the leg flu. Like he did a way too many leg exercises, and he like just struggled with getting. I felt so bad for him. I felt like such an asshole. I was like, all right, map reading skills. That's the next thing. To focus on. <laughs> <laughs> next time I do a hike. Anyway, yeah. But you, you, you handle a, a super long walk, right? And that was yeah. that was it. Yeah. But in the end, I love hiking, running, not 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 so not in my uh, purview yet. Not really. I don't really. Maybe I'll get into it one day, just for the sake of doing a marathon. But mm-hmm. I, don't find, I don't find it very fun. Uh, yeah. Well. <laughs> well. Let's see. And 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 unless you do it, it's hard to say. Um, You're right. So in my in my so I, I wrote something something that I might have told you about. Uh, it's called uh, the Life Manifesto. 
Did I tell you about it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so in there, I have the in the body category, I have I have this kind of like vision for how I want to feel, um, in around like eight years from now. And there, I have this this line that says, I want to be able to wake up and run a marathon any day. Like, I want to be able to wake up and just be able to do one of the one of the harder challenges in the world, right? And and that was kind of like a kind of a cool thought. Uh, super super random i'll I'll get to it so back to uh, back to my marathon in istanbul you know i trained i'm just like okay i'm going to nail it you know i i I got i wanted to get there late i I was or early i ended up getting there late so uh, i'm running there you know there's music people are positive smiling i'm not really feeling all that like excited or whatever but i'm just like i'm not going to think about it um so four kilometers in then the reason i ask you if we run is because if you run and if you experience stomach ache when you run uh, you know you know it, it's going to fucking suck <laughs> it's it, it's not pleasant running with stomach aches and i had i was four kilometers in um, you know, I was just not feeling good. You know, had uh, stomach ache, and I was feeling exhausted, like as if I, you know, I got the coronavirus or something. I was feeling exhausted. Four kilometers in, I had. Uh, for those who do not know, a marathon is forty-two kilometers for forty-two point two. So I had, I was like less than ten kilometers in. And it's like I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. You know, mm. and I had this moment. I did, I wanted to do my marathon in Istanbul because I wanted a challenge. I wanted to actually show myself that I'm a courageous man, that somebody who uh, faces a challenge. I wanted to be in front of a challenge so that when I'm in front of a challenge, when I face with a challenge, I can show my courage. And then when shit hits the fan, you know, that's that's when, when you actually uh, mm. see what your true beliefs are what your true mindset is, you know? So, so yeah, that was it. And I was like, um, there was, there was the moment where I just wanted to, um, where I just wanted to like stop everybody, every single person that passed me and many people were passing me because I kind of stood uh, closer to the front of the line. It was like a little hit in the liver. Uh, every person is like not you're running slower than everybody else you know and then all of the other thoughts so um i i wanted to like i wanted to cry i wanted to go to the corner stop and and just say okay fuck it you know this is this is whatever i suck <laughs> you know i just wanted no i just wanted to to be a little girl and to complain and to feel sorry about myself that was the thought and yeah and that was a real thought, you know, and and it sucked thinking that at, at the moment sucked so much, like thinking, okay, oh, is this my identity of somebody who is going to in front of a challenge? You say you're courageous, you tattooed it on your arm, you know, it's like, and, and then that's what you want to do. Is is that what you're going to do? And then and then I had this moment where I thought, okay, I'm, I'm just going to, if I was going to stop, I'm going to stop with like my last breath or like when 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 it's really difficult you know i'm I'm going to stop you know i'm you know i can i can probably do another two kilometers three kilometers whatever do you know who david goggins is 
I love being. Yeah, he's crazy. He's, he's crazy, but yeah, he's great. Yeah. So David Goggins is this Navy SEAL guy who like tapes his legs. They're broken, and he does 200 kilometers through you know the Death Valley uh, run. He does like mega ultra marathons uh, type of runs, and he has this crazy mindset. So I remember him, and during that uh, that moment, I was like, okay. I'm, I'm just going to turn on his audiobook. I turn on his audiobook. I'm just like I'm just going to I'm just going to run a little bit more. Are you, do you know which audiobook I'm talking about? Uh, I've never listened to I've never Oh really? Heard any of his audiobooks or anything like that. I I know him from uh YouTube. You know, you see him on YouTube, social media. Check out his book. His book is amazing. Okay. Can't hurt me. Yeah. Uh, can't can't hurt me. Yeah, it's it's an amazing book. Just in terms of like mindset, and that's something I've been investing my energies into recently. So I turn on this uh, this audiobook. He tells me about all his struggles. You know how he was like beaten and like all of the crazy things. And I'm kind of like distracted, looking. You know, thinking about uh, thinking. Try not to think actually. So I'm going there. I went through ten kilometers. 15 kilometers, then 20 kilometers, and I was kind of reflecting, uh, reflecting on the thought of that like little girl giving up and like my identity of somebody who would give up. And at around 20 kilometers, I was like, dude, like I was, I'd rather die than I was, that was literally the mindset. I'm going to collapse, I'm going to black out, I'm, I'm finishing this fucking marathon. And that, that, that was the thought because accepting the identity of somebody who is going to be that little girl like crying and giving up was worse than honestly than dying you know and and that was that was like really emotionally um powerful for me you know how much of that exercise that when you came up with that one word how much of that exercise influenced your decision to pull up that audiobook like if you didn't have that whole inner dialogue of courage do you think that something would have went different i i don't think i actually had that thought at the time i was more like i knew that there were two identities two paths that i had to go one is the path of a courageous man and the other one is the path of like a little boy you know who feels afraid and um yeah, I, I don't think that conversation came up necessarily. It was more it was more about like I knew that I had to be a courageous man in order to in order to feel fulfilled. Like I cannot do it any other way. Like I will not respect myself, you know, I yeah, it was it was just it was just not an option. You know, when I was faced with a choice, I didn't want to accept the possibility of the even the other option. The alternative. Yeah. Of course. So, 21 kilometers in, that's that's halfway. I'm just like, I'm kind of getting to it. That, that's the, that's the cool another cool thing that I learned through running. You can run through anything. You can like when my legs started hurting, I learned that I'll just run for half half an hour more, an hour more. It's probably going to subside, and that's there's there's so many cool. I'm not a massive fan of running myself. I hated running before, and I was still running because it was just something meditative, something that where there's me and my thoughts, and you're in charge. 
you don't have to do it. Like that's why that's why endurance is is, is a pretty cool is a pretty cool area mm-hmm. of sports. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, twenty one k. I'm feeling better. You know, I'm just like having this this mindset. You know, thirty one, thirty five. At thirty five, I was like blacking out in a way. There, there was a moment when things were were starting to get a little a, a little like blurry and dark in my in my head. I was chugging Red Bulls. There were Red Bulls in this in this station. Uh, my pulse, my heart rate, ended up getting up to up to 100 uh, no 205 Ooh. How, how many hours is this in now that's like four hours in yeah okay yeah a little bit less yeah a little bit less than four hours it, it's like yeah 30 35 36 kilometers um for those who do not know 205 is ridiculous i was looking at my watch i was like and you're running at your this is like over my max heart rate like i should not be there at all uh, anyways but it was the thought it's like you know i'll i'll rather die than than stop and and yeah um and then at some point of like uh 38 39 i was just going at it i was like okay i got this sprinted the last kilometer uh sprinted the last kilometer with another dude i was like feeling pumped and I felt like really, really good about not giving up at kilometer four or kilometer five. But the thing that I got away from from that run, and I I really believe that every run is there to teach you something, that Mm. the choice is always yours. You choose your narrative. You choose what you want to see, what you want to believe in, and how you want the world to be. So I tattooed it in my other arm, and my other arm says "choice" right now. And um, I want to I want to tell you how it goes back. So I ran another marathon. I ran another marathon around twelve days back. And this marathon, um, I had this idea. I wanted to solidify the the thought of everything is a choice, and I, I wanted to live on the positive side of uh, of just being and in, in existing. So I registered to a marathon two weeks before uh, to the mar- uh, before the marathon, run five times in preparation. But then I wanted to do something cool and something that that would signify uh, signify this this new kind of this this new belief. So what I did is I came up with a concept. I got myself, I still have I, I have a mustache. I, I I was dressed up. I bought myself disco pants, literally like sparkly yoga in the female section. It took me like three hours to find those, you know, um, purple uh, purple shirt. And have you seen aerobics from the eighties? Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So exactly, it's kind of very very similar. I literally got a mustache for myself. Like I went to a professional. Headband. What is it? Yeah, yeah. I had the headband. I had the whole headband. deal. Okay. I had the whole deal. Yeah, and. And there, so what I want to do is I want to say, hey, everybody looks at marathons as as a as a big challenge, as something that's difficult, something that you need to prepare for six months uh, for, and and I want to say, okay, how about this? Um, I had this big speaker, I had this uh, this new image that I created for myself, and this this run I was going to run with little preparation, 
Uh, again, I only train. I've only written five times uh, uh, during training, and and yeah, I I, I just started running. Uh, I, I started running with music for everybody to hear, dressed up in the, the most ridiculous way. I have this confetti thing, and confetti popper. So I, I had this thing, and in the start, I popped the confetti in order to. <laughs> it was a very, uh, it was it was a small run, and like. Uh, as if I was like celebrating for myself and uh, yeah I, I started running I I wanted not to think about negative thoughts like I literally didn't want to give any energy to to the event being challenging yeah I thought it's like it's going to be like a walk in the park it's going to be easy and people run 200 kilometers big deal I'm going to wake up I'm going to go do this fucking marathon I'm going to feel good about it you know that that was that was the mindset and I want to prove to myself that I want to prove my, to myself that hey this is this is a different way of doing something that really really fucking sucked you know four or five months prior so um, I was having fun having convers this time I was having conversation not with myself but I was actually making friends as I was running with, with some other people learned some crazy stories there was this guy 80 years old running a, a half marathon it was ridiculous so inspiring you know I I was everybody was smiling at me I was waving at everybody because I look hilarious man I had music I had the mustache I had a fake mustache come on uh, taped <laughs> It takes me, and people were giving me high five. I was giving everybody high fives. I was just super high energy, and kilometer like thirty one. I was like, all right, that's what that's when it starts. Uh, because you know how Arnold Schwarzenegger says, it counts when it hurts, and then for me as somebody who's run before, before before like thirty kilometers, it's you're just doing whatever. Uh, so, mm -hmm. yeah, like 30 kilometers in, you know, it hurts. I was like, all right, all right, let's see how much you're going to smile now. <laughs> how many high fives you're going to give to other people. Uh, so it was, it, it was, it was still like slightly, you know, uh, slightly challenging, but I was already like making friends with everybody. It was just a different mindset. And, um, and I knew I was doing it. I was like, Hey man, this is it. You know, you're going for it. And and that's it, you know. I this was the easiest, the easiest marathon I could have hoped for. Didn't exert any energy on thinking, um, you know, thinking that I cannot make it, that it's going to be difficult. I just went there. I had I had a fucking blast. I came there with my own music. I I, I came there with uh, yeah with this this mindset that that I wanted to instilling me and then after I've done it uh, by the way at the end of the run I'm going to send you a video after I popped another confetti thing you know for myself you know at the finish line I brought my own confetti thing in my in my little backpack and and yeah and people loved it you know people was like hey man they came to me after it's like man when I look at you and I saw how energetic you were and how happy you were you gave me so much energy and I'm so happy and grateful that you know that you were a part of this run and you charged me up I was like dude if I could think about any challenge as if it was easy if I could put a smile on my face when doing shit it's going to be so much easier, so much more enjoyable. So I'll be such such a happier individual, and 
and and that's that was that was something that I I proved to myself kind of like in the in the second in the second marathon that everything is a choice. I love that story. That's so good. So you uh I mean that's night and day from the first marathon. Night and fucking day. That's awesome. And what was the and the I mean it's clearly the mindset going into it. Right like you said. You had committed to just enjoying yourself the entire time. I think so. so what, yeah, what can you like help me break down like maybe even if we compare the two, right? Like you, you had a certain mindset going into the first one and a certain mindset going into the second one. And then when you hit your hardest moments or you hit any kind of hard moments, like you had different thought patterns and you had two totally different experiences, right? So what were, I guess, what were they? What were the little details in there? Um, I think, I think the first one had, had a circumstance where, where I started feeling like shit in the beginning. I think the second one, uh, the second one, the, the reason it was unique is because we exert so much energy as humans giving giving our attention to all the things that are wrong right me in particular i spend so much time reflecting on insecurities on things that i do not have on what i can do better you know, uh, just, you know, asking for feedback from this person, and that person, and being hungry for everybody, uh, for, for every, every point where I can improve working with coaches and everybody's, you know, everybody would tell you, uh, and support you in your improvement journey. But in this case, I was like, you know what? I want to do the things to the best of my ability. I don't want to think about you know the things that I'm insecure about, the things I'm unhappy about. Those are those are cool thoughts, but to be honest, like I already know how to fix them. Like they do not require much thought. Like I do not need to write an essay like I would regularly, you know, like in ten pages. You know, thinking how I feel and developing the thought because all of all of that solidifies it. It makes you think and make the make the the thought even stronger because the more you think about whatever, the stronger that thought becomes right and then when you do not give attention give energy to to thoughts that do not serve you it's like okay i know whatever i think that's the key and that's that's my new reality mm, that's interesting help me now help me come up with an analogy for that because it sounds like so we we often get stuck in this place where all right, we see this behavior and we know this behavior doesn't help us, right? And this behavior starts with some thought pattern that exists and we can't help but focus on it, especially when you're the type of person that is a growth-minded person who just wants to... Eric, let's make it specific. Do you have an example? Try to think of one. Um, uh, all right, pitching, right? Public speaking and pitching is hard for just about every entrepreneur I've known so far. And it stretches you far outside your comfort zone for most people that, that the insecurity is one of those things that you focus on, right? So you try to focus on, okay, where does this behavior come from? Where does uh, the thought patterns come from? And you can focus on it and you can explore it, you can explore it, you can explore it. But in the end, then you're just focusing on that negative thing and then you perpetuate the actual behavior, right? Precisely. 
Yeah. Until you learn to focus on a more powerful thought, something more powerful, whatever that might be. There, you know, I don't know what it is for. I guess for public speaking would be like, what mission, what message do you have? What powerful message are you getting across? Or what powerful mission do you have that this leads up to, or something along those lines? Instead of thinking on your insecurities, you think of, on these more powerful thoughts, and inevitably, like you start getting changing that behavior a little bit, changing that that visceral feeling or that visceral kind of emotional attachment to that whatever that negative response was, right? And I think in your, I think two things could have happened, right? You had you did finish your first one your first marathon. But I wonder what would have happened if you didn't that where if you like, just if you, if you gave up and then you still had that second one, like, oh, I'm going to try it again. Would you have ruminated on it? I would guess that because you went into it with the mindset of making it fun and silly and like as crazy as you can make it, I'd imagine you probably, even then you probably could have had the same experience going into the second one because of your mindset going into it. So the first one, you probably you learned a lot, obviously, of mm-hmm. how your mind didn't want to think, right? Um, and then you just went into it with the complete opposite. But it's like, you know, I, I've heard a lot of like, there's this the priming is a uh, psychology term. Right? That's right, priming. Have you heard of that? It's it sounds like to me that you self primed, like you actually did the action by going out and buying all this crazy shit like a mustache by going out and purchasing like the outfits like spending three hours on purchasing that outfit like you didn't have to run and train how many times were well, you at ran five yeah exactly you didn't have to train every day and stretch every day and do mobility practice and hydration routine and make sure you watch your eating and all that kind of stuff like a lot of other people do instead you went out and you changed the way you thought you went out and primed your mind that this was going to be an enjoyable experience and then it was an enjoyable experience but you did that by spending the time on <laughs> buying crazy pants <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and buying uh, a mustache and just thinking through the creative pieces behind how you were going to show up because that's all it is, right? Is how we show up. Precisely. And I think, I think another important thing to, to mention is that I came to that marathon, uh, to that, to that last one, um, with the mindset, it's going to be easy. I was like, it's going to be a walk in the park. You know, I've done this before. And what what if it wasn't a challenge? You know, there are people who... And the funny thing is, I, I was running the marathon. I'm, I'm running next to people. And before, I was like solo, you know, in my head. And this time, I was like, you know, meeting people. People are meeting me because they're smiling at me. And they're kind of like showing me the mirror of, hey, you're a fun dude. That was that was like the the reflection that was really cool because in the first marathon I was like you know not seeing good faces not seeing anything that that would make me uh, mm. me feel really good about myself anyway so there there was this one person I was running to with alongside with she ran one hundred and six marathons and and she was like oh yeah those are fun i love doing those and i you know I, I was running i was running later and then maybe like after 30 kilometers i was like 
that person that person run ran hundred six marathons there is a there's an eighty year old man that's running twenty one kilometers and he is looking like a fucking stud you know and they um, it was it was it was slightly challenging for for me as well. I was like I just remember about those people. There there was one person running who 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 didn't have who didn't have a leg, you know, and she was running with a smile on her face. She was giving me a high five every single time, you know, when when, when we had to turn around. Like I saw those people, and I was like, man, you're young, you know. You, you're a good-looking dude, you're healthy, you know, you're in this beautiful place, there's nothing to worry about, like, and then all of the other people are also, also doing, doing crazy shit, and it's a lot more challenging for them than it is for you, so that was, like, another, another, like, positive spiral that I went on. Of course, yeah, you had, like, you had created this environment where a tribe emerged, of like people that were just happy to see someone doing some crazy weird stuff, right? Because how do you not everyone? I would imagine, it, unless you've done 106 marathons, that you've got to have a little bit of anxiety going into it. Because there's so much. It's a long fucking way, 40, whatever, two miles, or kilometers, right? So yeah, I, I'd imagine that you lightened up. You you made you had to have made that run and that experience far more enjoyable for many other people that are running that marathon and that felt so good absolutely you know i didn't i didn't even realize that that was actually a, some, something something that like people people care about i'll tell you this so uh the months prior to the marathon uh, it was in, in in february i decided to do an obstacle race and I'm not sure why I did this shit, but I decided to do an obstacle race. And you have a bunch of obstacles. It's cold uh, right here. I'm I'm right now in in Ukraine, and uh, it was it was snowing and everything. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to do the obstacle race in my shorts. I was the only person in the shorts, uh, you know. And I was like going through. Crawling under the bar, uh, the barbed wire through the snow in my shorts, like for for two hours, you know, just carrying massive like bags of sand, you know, had my had my leg bleed, you know, and and there the cool thing was because I also did it in a unique way, I was the only person who was like who was who was doing it in shorts. There were people, and there was one obstacle that was particularly challenging. There were people standing in that line to go through the obstacle. And they're like, hey, man, it's so fucking cold. How do people do it? And I'm standing there in my shorts, and I'm just, like, just feeling so good that, that I do not have to kind of like subscribe to the thought it's cold. Like, it is cold, but the cold is a thought in a way. It's a feeling, right? And... It's kind of the relationship to uh, it, it's it's crazy because it's also in your mind like what you feel what you choose to you know to feel and how you choose to deal with um, um, like feeling cold is is another thing. So I was for two hours uh, doing the the obstacle race, and the cool thing because I was doing it in my shorts, I had so much tension. Everybody was looking at me. I had people with cameras going after me. I was the celebrity of the run. And probably being a little bit of an extrovert, uh, it helps. It helps because people are people believe in you. There's like, hey, dude, you know, you got this. You got this. So 
in a way, maybe I made myself, I made it easier because I got the social support, you know, I, yeah, I, I kind of like differentiated myself. So I no longer have to be the first person, the fastest person in the obstacle race. I had the different, different game, a uh, different game. And I got a different, different reward out of it for myself. I was doing it for fun for myself as well, but, uh, how they say it, competition is for losers, right? You, you gotta, you gotta invent your own game. That's it, right? And that isn't, and that's like the theme of, you know, the first time I ever heard lifestyle engineering. I think that was. From that's you. right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that stuck with me because it's so. You know, there's some ways of you know when you don't know you don't know what you don't know, but when something gets brought to your awareness, like your ability to has, take these types of choices and run with them you can't help but ignore it right like it's just part like okay what choices am i making and you start asking these kinds of questions uh i i love the term lifestyle engineering because it was two simple two words put together that explains so much and you don't need to exp i mean you can explain well, what, what it does means, it mean to you i think exactly that's it right like what does it mean to you i think is a great question because i don't i think that those two things put together is exactly that you get to choose what these things mean to you, what life means to you, right? And like, what does it mean to show up doing whatever you're doing? You get to write that, you get to script that, and intentionally, and do it with, um, with yourself in mind. It sounds so selfish. It's something that I've, it took me a long time to fucking learn, that's for sure, I'm still learning it now. Tell me. But, do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if I have any cool stories or analogies, but it's really like that that same idea of, you know, we had, uh, so this dude, Mark Juddy, or I'm sorry, not Mark Juddy, uh, Juddy Arnold, I just put two of them together. He is a big proponent of, we like did this mindset accelerator thing and it was a beta program. And one of the things that he did was on a big whiteboard behind him, he put four U across the top. Just so that everybody, when they listened to him talk, they understood that, Everything was happening for them, right? Even the things that you're doing, stop doing it for other people. Do it for you. And it's like this, you, it's a belief system that takes a long time to instill. But I do believe like if, if someone is riddled with fear of other people's opinion, which probably 99% of the fucking planet, they, that's a huge part of something that might hold, hold you back is fear of other people's opinion, fear of being judged. Um, if you could start thinking, I'm telling this from my own experience, if you could start thinking about it being for you, then that fear kind of starts going away because it's like you're not living for other people. You're just doing it. Exactly. Who else is it for? If you're, yeah, are you curious about something? Do you want to lean into something? And if it's uncomfortable, um, there's a good chance that that's where you should probably go, <laughs> right? Uh, all the great stuff that's ever happened to me has come out of doing really fucking uncomfortable things. But there was like this glaring obviousness that this challenge was for me, right? And I get to choose whether I want to see who that dude is that comes out the other end of it or not, right? Like your, like your marathon, like simple experiences that we have every day could be, sim you know, you can use that as an analogy but you wanted to see who you'd come out the other end. And then, and then you got to experiment, which is something else I learned from you. You got to, you, you 
you came out the other end of the first marathon believing in something a little bit different about yourself, I'm sure. And then you went into the second one experimenting. Well, how can I make this better? Right? And then that's exactly what you did. You got creative. You got wild. You got like, I think that that's a great analogy for just life in general. Absolutely. No, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm following you 100%. Uh, 100%. Of, we we got to live for ourselves. I think the, the challenge becomes when uh, when a belief, like a new belief or something, I won't say just a belief that's something that we haven't yet internalized when it gets confronted. Because, again, it's easy to say that you know you're going to be resilient it's easy to say you're going to be disciplined but when you're tired at night you're fucking exhausted you know and you see that donut or whatever your weapon of choice is it's like whatever whatever your weakest self is going to resort to like that that's when it counts you know, that's where yeah. the resilience shows, right? The the courage also for me it showed when it was really challenging. You know, uh, it, it it's after it's after that thirtieth kilometer uh, when it starts counting. So my take is that what if we what if we just didn't give that too much attention to doing and it sounds crazy, you know, because like we're wired to be afraid of things. Well, if we yeah. didn't give any attention to to the thought of, oh, it might be difficult or it might be whatever. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm just doing it and I'm doing it and I'm doing it. You know, if I wanna do whatever, it, it's so simple. Like, just do it, right? <laughs> You've heard of it. It's everywhere on, on the Nike's swag. What if you were just not to think, literally? Because thinking doesn't always serve you. Because you do not always choose the thoughts you want to think. Do not there is this thing. Do not believe everything you think. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I mean, again, it's, it's a lot easier said than done, especially because so you're stuck in patterns that you're not even aware of. I think a lot of people, um, including my own experiences, like once you become, well, once you become aware of them, then that then start to struggle, right? Then you can click the struggle on the pain. Because that awareness in itself is kind of a little bit painful of like knowing that you have some behavior or something that that scares you that's holding you back from doing the next thing that you want to do. Eric, anything you're struggling with right now? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I've dude. So, I, me personally, I'm in like a very. Uh, let's see what what happens kind of place like. I've been fortunate enough to be able to follow my own curiosities through a lot of different crazy places and discover a lot about like who I am and what I want and everything. I'm in a place I just had I just had a a kid la in t December 2019 I had a son. That's right. 2020, yeah, right. Amazing. So 2020 was very new and you know, my wife and I we set ourselves up in a position where we get to spend a lot of time in the early years of his life. So for me, it's, you know, what, what does it mean to be a good father? What does it mean to be a good husband? What does it mean to do all that kind of stuff? I've done the entrepreneurial thing. Um, doing things like, you know, I don't, I've done the pitch events, you know, all that stuff, trying to get over fear of public speaking, mm -hmm. all that kinds of stuff. Even doing this fucking podcast, like at the first like 20 that we did, I was like really, I was like nervous doing it. Now I'm pretty, I'm a little bit more comfortable, but 
um, you know, stretching yourself outside your comfort zone is for me, it's now it's an addiction. I don't know what the next one's going to be. I know that, uh, I think the one thing I haven't really focused on a lot is like simple stuff like nutrition. I eat well, I do all that. I, I, I do that. I was thinking about this before this podcast too, because I, I know he's going to ask me <laughs> some experiments to do, yeah. or like yeah. I knew he was going <laughs> to. Because last time we did the podcast, you said yeah. you, you would try out the the mindfulness one. I think that was Candace. That was Candace. I've always had a I've, I've always had a pretty good meditation. How did you do? No, <laughs> <laughs> not. I try to. I get. Her, I try to get her to do it all the time to develop a mind a meditation routine and. uh She's a kinesthetic, very kinesthetic uh, person. She's a mover, you know. Um, sitting still isn't isn't something that's very. Easy. There's something called, uh, I think, Kundalini yoga. Have you heard of it, dude? I I just did a podcast with Matt Th Thomas. Oh, and he was telling me all about that, and now I'm super interested in it. I actually might that might be. He was telling me about these long meditation retreats and these like breathing exercise things. Uh, it releases uh, this next week. It releases next week. But he was telling me all about that stuff, and I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I might, I might, that might be something I might get into. Yeah, yeah uh, Matt is amazing, and Kundalini uh, Yoga is also awesome. Essentially, um, I, I started scheduling those. If I do not schedule something, I will not want to do it, especially something that is easy to skip. Uh, like something like breath work or yoga or exercise so it's always in my calendar uh, kundalini yoga essentially it's it's like meditation uh but you, it's more active you you just breathe really really hard and there's some breathing techniques and for me i just feel like a newborn after especially after a stressful day you just release all of the all of the shit chemicals uh, in in your body after uh, through breathing, and if Candice doesn't like the regular form of kind of like breathing meditation, maybe doing breath work can be a cool form of meditation that she'll enjoy. Yeah, that's. A, I'm gonna bring that up to her. She she'll get into it. She'll get there on her own, right? <laughs> that's kind of how it goes. We all do these things on our own. It took me like, dude, I, I do a lot. You know, I've done a, a bunch of different psilocybin. I've done some psilocybin journeys that had led to different awarenesses and things that had completely changed the way I see the world or the way that, like, I, I perceive the world in some way. You know, it's like you don't know how you have this – you live in a box for a very long time. And at some point, if you start exploring outside that box, and you, you get addicted to it. And I explored exploring outside that box a long time ago. Uh, and now – I think one of the things that's been on my mind, it's so funny that you said it, was that astronaut looking at the Earth yeah. from space. Um, I can't help but think about those astronauts and the perspective they must have that, that we don't. Because we could think about it all day. But the emotion is where you really get that those those perspectives. Yeah. Like. And if you can really experience those emotions, um, it will change your perspective. Seeing, seeing that 
from outer space, I, I can get, I, I, there's no way in hell that we can sit here and t- we could talk about it for six hours and still probably not get. Dude, I'll that. tell you this. So there, there are a lot of things then, uh, that seem really challenging. Like, uh, look at earth from space. That's, that's definitely not an easy one. There were, I think around 600 people who have ever been to space, the total of 600 people. Um, mm. and, um, what you can do is okay it's not possible like right now there's no company who can do it if there was a company say five years seven years ago uh, it would cost you 10 to 20 million dollars maybe next time it's going to be available it's going to be super expensive do not know the timeline what if you could say okay maybe i'd not see earth from from like deep space or not deep space i guess from uh from a certain at- altitude, but for example, what you can do, and this is this is a cool thing for you, and I'm, I'm being super serious right now, you can go to Russia, and you can get a flight on a MiG-31, I think, and it goes to around 25 to 30 kilometers up. Uh, it costs maybe um, maybe 15 grand or 20 grand, something, something not, not reasonable, you know, it's not a million bucks. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and you can see, you can see videos that of what people see from 25, 30 kilometers up and it's actually pretty ridiculous. So you can get pretty damn close, at least for now. For, 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 yeah, I think so. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I'll need to go back through the videos. You see the darkness of space, um, and probably if you if you also like drop, you'll you'll feel like a little bit of uh, zero gravity as well. Um, so, man, for for like if if it's a twenty grand question to experience maybe like eighty percent of that super ambitious goal, why not? Yeah. Yeah, I've talked about this before. There's a dude, uh, Andrew Huberman. Have you heard of him? He's a neuroscientist. No. Yeah, he he dropped this this seed in my brain that's been growing for a while now, and uh, it was so he said that that your eyes are essentially a piece of your brain, like they are the only external part of your brain, and uh, when you look out across like at the ocean you know if you're looking if you're standing on the beach and you're looking out on the ocean or if you stand on a mountaintop and you look at the vast valleys below and these big things you literally expand your perspective and the fight or flight response goes away so you actually start thinking outside of your amygdala and into uh, your prefrontal cortex or whatever I might be paraphrasing I don't know the, the details but um, just by doing that you get out of your own ego for a period of time. If you do it long enough, you stare long enough, all of a sudden you become a little bit smaller and you can be different, right? You can you can live more in an alpha state or in like a flow state, really. So it's like that literally by just looking at cool horizons, you can put yourself in a uh, more alpha wave brain state and live in like temporarily in that perspective if you if you do it long enough. And it's, it's neurochemistry. It's just a matter of, um, it's a trigger. And he said that there's certain things you can do to actually, uh, trigger it. And ah, fuck, I should, it's been a while since I've talked about this, but if I remember correctly, it's, you hold your hand in front of your face so that, and you stare at your hand so that your perspective is literally just like a dot Mm -hmm. on your hand. 
and then you can just stand outside your window or anywhere that has you know maybe a yard or whatever it might be look out your back door um, with sunlight and everything and you do that for a while maybe I think it was like two minutes just stare at your hand and then remove it and do the same thing but look and allow your eyes to adjust and see that bigger perspective it could uh, remove anxiety um, temporary relief of like certain you know if you have like those little micro depressions oh really and things yeah it, so you would uh, artificially constrain with uh, constrain your own uh, perspective by putting something in, yeah. in front of you and I would encourage because I'm not <laughs> a fucking neuroscientist or anything but I would encourage uh, he does talk about it he's got a lot of cool stuff Andrew Huberman he, I would encourage any listener that's interested in it because don't, don't listen to me I might be saying it wrong <laughs> uh, to check him out but yeah and ever since he dropped that seed I've dude, and part of the reason why I did those hikes part of the reason why I, like, I would prefer to spend my energy like hiking or going somewhere cool like that is because I started getting to the peak of wherever I was and I'll sit there for 15 minutes and just meditate but instead of closing my eyes I keep them open and I look over at the at the horizon that's so and dope it has a, yeah it's cool I like it um, I, I want to get more into it I do fucking COVID I, I just I, <laughs> I want to travel to some more cooler places you can I think we have Yeah, yeah, we can. It's start, things are starting to get easier, but we can't. I can't. Go, I can't go to Canada. They won't let anybody in. They're still closed the borders. Mm. Well, you can get in there, but you gotta you gotta quarantine for two weeks. My sister lives in Canada, so it's like, uh, yeah. So that's one of the places that's been on my my list of places things I wanted to see. Um, I wonder if I could. I'm pretty sure we could go to Alaska, but oh yeah, Alaska would yeah. be dope. But honestly, like you can go to, uh, you can go so many other places, you know. Yeah, there's plenty. Yeah, exactly. But the global perspective, uh, I, I really, I really like that uh, that idea. I wish I had more of it. I love the drive of the cities because I get so inspired when I see people do shit. It's high pace, you know. People running. I do appreciate it personally. But then I think uh, Mihali, uh I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing. Mihali. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, he, the Godfather of Flow. He he also talks about like that that perspective uh, in in neuroscience and how it allows you to uh, to attain like those flow states to recover better and to. Uh, shape your biology to serve you. Uh, for me, mm -hmm. I wanna I wanna get a fucking pilot's license. You know, just like hop in. That'd be cool. You're flying. You know, it's like doesn't get. You can see as far as they can see. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I mean, you're. I'm certain that if you talk to a neuroscientist, some somebody like the the pattern that you did with your uh, your marathons. I know that there's something there that could be used as a tool to to, to help people think differently in, in way when they're when they're facing some sort of marathon, quote unquote marathon mm -hmm. in their lives or anything like that. And there's definitely some science behind it. There's so much. There's too much science out there on the brain and neuroscience that I, I, I find it really hard to believe that there's not a science back reason why you had such a different experience your second marathon you know what i mean it's not just this frou-frou kind of be positive and all that kind of stuff no it's it's science you just you just gotta you know be curious about it right totally yeah because like, I, I, i meet so many people that kind of like will turn off if you start talking about positivity you start talking about like the experiences that you know just be optimistic just you know be positive don't think negative thoughts sure that's all stuff that is amazing to do right but it's 
easier said than yeah people have a, a dialogue in their I'm, head that I'm one of those people it. man I actually hate super yeah. bubbly people uh, not hate them yeah. you know uh, like when I, when I see people who are like too optimistic they're like too happy too jumpy you know and what's wrong with you I was like I'm not sure if I trust you <laughs> you know there's something <laughs> off there is something off and I, I know a, a number of those people and uh, we, we we are born with certain neurochemistry right some people are inherently happier than the others and more fulfilled other people are more depressed than than others um but we we have to deal with what we're born with right and in in that case whatever cards were dealt i guess for me if somebody told me hey not just go smile and do whatever this is something that i had to uh, arrive to and i had to arrive to, to through experimentation i might revert back in the future who knows uh, i do not know and but they had the one thing i just stopped giving a shit about everything i and i i stopped I stopped thinking that greatness is challenging. And then when greatness is regular, then yeah, I will eat well. That's because that's what I do. That's my identity. I'm the type of person who eats well. I'm the type of person who eats well when he is tired. You know, I'm the type of person who's going to go run a marathon. I'm the type of person who treats others others well, uh, even when I'm pissed off and annoyed, right? So I, I, I feel like the, the, the moment I stopped giving that much, that much value or significance to, to events that are challenging, that may require you a lot of time and energy, things started just working out super well. That's awesome. So you kind of developed these like identity over time, like redeveloped, I guess that, um, I'm the type of person that does this. I'm the type of person that does that over time. Is that, I think, yeah, that, that's the, that's, that's the identity work that, uh, you, you remember like with choice, like, um, yeah. so for this year, I, I set my, myself one goal, uh, and that goal is, Hey, I want to be live in the identity of my best self that means that with the small things like i make my bed and if i made it in a shitty way that's not what a best person uh, what the best me would do so i would make sure you know it's it's set up right you know then if if i'm walking you know i want to i want to walk without distracting myself with a million things like my phone listening to a podcast i'm just going to walk you know i'm just like trying to whenever i'm faced with those like micro choices i ask myself okay what, what the best me would do and i try to do those and some days i do not do it 100 percent, but i do not give that much attention to like not following through 100 percent. i'm just like okay you know i'm just going to do the next action to the best of my ability you know and and just the things started going going super well for me like professionally things are going super well learning wise relationships i i i got an amazing girlfriend right now i'm being super creative writing producing um yeah, just just loving loving life in in all dimensions. Does that come back to you like your experimentation, like the the mindset that you have on experimentation? 
did you do that with uh, like identity? Like, all right, I'm going to experiment with being this person. I'm going to experiment with being that person. Because I know that, um, you know, we, we did our last podcast with you and you talked about experimentation and challenging yourself with experimentation and all that kinds of stuff. I've never thought of it that way. But then I look back at the, my history and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's exactly what I've done. Right? I've had this hypothesis. I was like, this is something right? that seems cool or a way I want to be or whatever it might be. And, you know, you experimented, but it was never so thought out as an experimentation with that scientific mind um, as you explained it. Um, and I'm wondering, is that how you kind of developed the identities that you have? I guess. So... Uh, for me, the other experiments, uh, just for a little bit of context for the listeners, um, lifestyle engineering to me is all about uh, three things. It's creating a hypothesis for what you want, and it starts from the perspective of what if I did not know who I am and what I want? What if I was ignorant and I just have a hypothesis of who I am, what makes me me? And uh, then you would create a, a plan like you would design something uh, like for what for a way to prove your hypothesis and I do it through 30 day experiments and then you go and do it and that's the most important part right you go execute and you get new data hard part. and then you you iterate through this process so that's what lifestyle engineering means to me and uh, and then I usually I usually do this 30 day experiments where I, I remember I did 30 days of uh, recording and publishing videos on YouTube. I did a six pack challenge. Um, I randomly like recorded the song in a professional studio with a buddy of mine super randomly. I did acting classes for for a month and you know uh, try getting to into that world. And I've been doing a lot of a lot of th those those type of experiments and. And and I usually am methodical about them. It's like, okay, here's what I want to have at the end. Here's going to be the path and everything else. I guess in in, in terms of in terms of mindset, I wanted to I wanted to cut off everything. I want to make it so minimal. I, w I just wanted to, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to do anything else. You know, I'm not going to. I'm the type of person as an experimenter. I I love trying things out and I usually like overcommit. You know, I'll do that, I'll do this, I'll, I'll work on three projects and then I'll have a podcast and I'll work on a book and then I'll do, you know, do this event that I'm organizing, you know, and then here's my girlfriend, <laughs> that, that, that type of deal. So I, I spread myself too thin a lot of times. In, in, in this case, I'm just like, I'm just, um, I'm just actually consolidating because I already have enough self-awareness where where I know that working one thing, developing one skill, like if it's mindset, I'm going to I'm going to kind of like stay in my lane and that's that's where I'm going to be the best uh, the best version of myself because in a way, when I do a lot of things, I distract myself from the best version that I can be and and that best version is the one that that goes after what he wants and then the person who wants 10 things doesn't want 10 things that person just doesn't know what he or she wants <laughs> mm -hmm. so that's the yeah developing that clarity is hard <laughs> and that's the biggest thing like i've yeah that's hard i um so to try and wrap up i i love how 
first of all, I love talking to people like you. It's just so much fun. Hell yeah. I, I love learning. It's just great. It's just good energy. It's, it's, it's fun to hear the stories. It's fun to see someone with a, a mindset like, like you have and so many other people, but it's like refreshing, you know, um, is the best way I could say it. Um, and if you are an optimistic thinker, if you're like, you know, experimenting with your life in some way, like you're not alone, there's a lot of other people doing it. Um, so I just, I love these kinds of conversations, but I think to wrap up, I would love to, yeah, finish what you were saying. I'd like to understand like how your mindset, um, if you can try like when you started these experiments and then through your, um, your marathons and till today, um, some of the growth that you've experienced some of that mindset shift. Can we put that like in a, in a, can we package that somehow and give like a, just a, a, a quick, like, I don't know, like a few minutes on where that mindset is useful or like kind of the journey a little bit. Uh, that, that's a, that's an interesting uh, way to put it. Here's my belief. And I got to be honest, I don't believe that, hey, you need to you need to do certain steps and then you're going to have that thing that you want. Um, I think that everything comes with action. It's like the momentum that we build. Um, there, there's this philosophy I have around motivation. It's like, I believe that that motivation comes from action. So you act and then you get motivated. So if you do not feel motivated, it's like, oh, I'm going to do something when I'm motivated. No, that, that was the opposite. It's like, you don't feel motivated. So you have to do shit so that you feel motivated. Like, uh, I have this article called the motivation banking theory. And the idea is that whenever you do stuff, you add like credits to like that motivation bank. Whenever you like kick yourself, you know, for not doing something, you take something away. And then if, if you're, if a, a, an activity takes more uh, credits from the motivation bank than you have in there, then you're probably not going to do it. It's probably going to be too difficult, you know? So you need to like start getting through small actions. Uh, you start uh, adding credits to to that motivation bank, so that when you're confronted with something difficult, then you you can actually tackle it. So my take, go ahead. I, I see. I see. I love, that's great. I, I've never heard that before. I like that a lot. That's a, it makes so much sense. You simplify. <laughs> that's good, man. All right, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So that, that, I have a little article on um, on lifestyle dot engineering. Um, okay. So it's called motivation banking. So yeah, the, my, my my philosophy is that um, everything comes through through small actions that might not seem like a big deal, but they compound so so much. And then like you just do one one small thing right now without thinking about it, you know, or or with a little bit of thinking, whatever. But if you, if you keep doing, it, if you if you keep adding it, like whatever you want is going to is going to be actualized. Um, I don't think that, I don't think that actually even the plans are, uh, and strategies are as important. Like a lot of people say, oh, but I need to know how to do it. Or I need to, um, you know, I don't have a mentor. I don't have a whatever. Personally, I think that you just start the journey. You 
might not be effective at it. Maybe you'll you'll be doing it at a five percent, ten percent capacity, just doing the thing that's not the right thing. But like over time, if you keep persisting, you know, you'll you'll figure out what you know what the right path is by going the wrong path. You know, you will find a mentor by having a shitty mentor or by not having one at all. Um, I just think that you should start acting. You will start making mistakes. The mistakes will suck, and then you will not want to make the mistakes anymore. And then I think everything can be can be done that way. I think it just it just we make so many excuses by looking for that thing we do not have, and it's easy to look for the perfect plan because there is no perfect plan, right? And there will never be one, and it's an easy thing to want to look for because it doesn't exist that's that's your exit uh, that, that's the that's the reason for you to pitch about why you do not have what you don't have because you don't have what you cannot have right that perfect plan that perfect mentor that perfect whatever the fuck right just like go do things like not perfectly but do it in the best way possible show up as your best self like put in the effort fuck up you know the uh, you know waste time yeah waste time doing something that doesn't work that is actually not wasteful. You know, that gets you, that gets you closer. It gets you learning and experience, right? Precisely. Dude, boom. That was perfect. <laughs> I, I don't know if I set you up that well for that, but you nailed it. Because that was a, a great ending. Oh, man, we're not. Dude, this has been fun, man. Super fun. I really appreciate your time, and I loved having you on. We need to, we need to stay in touch. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me.